I think it's probably too about being okay with your choices. Like there is no part of me that thinks I've made the wrong choice in my career, right? Like I love what I do so much and I think it's the absolute right thing for me to be doing. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. And today we're going to be talking about a kind of existential crisis that I find myself having maybe like once a year, I'm going to say, ish, (laughs) for the past few years anyway, in that when I realize that I have so many things that I'm interested in and passionate about and realizing that there's a limited amount of time in my day and in my life in general Mm -hmm. to get it all done. So yeah, it's this idea of having too many passions and not enough time is what we're going to talk about today. And uh, she didn't even know that this was something that I had tweeted about, I think, recently. But Casey in our community also seems to be thinking about this lately. And she said, uh, this is sort of a podcast request and sort of a general question to everyone, since I feel like it has been touched on through multiple episodes. But does anyone else struggle with feeling like they have too many different passions? I feel like I'm trying to toggle between being a photographer, some sort of designer, an aspiring developer, a traveler, a blogger, and a polyglot all at once, which is obviously a lot. Mm -hmm. I want to just have one or two things that I focus on, but I have a hard time letting go of those other passions and aspirations. So Casey's right in that we have sort of touched on this in episodes about being a jack of all trades and picking a niche and things like that. But to me, this is something deeper. This is like dealing with it within ourselves, right? Being creative people and like wanting to do all the things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll get into that. Uh, First though, Fem, how's your week been? Or past two weeks, actually, because it's been a while since we last recorded. It has, it has. Well, I actually have a personal announcement, which is I finally bought a new MacBook. Nice. (laughs) Which I feel like, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the show a few times, right, about wanting to get a new computer. I feel like it's been about six months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) I finally did it, everyone. Uh, I had the courage to press buy on the Apple site. Uh, Unfortunately, it's taking a very long time to get here. I ordered it about 10 days ago, and it still is estimated to arrive like a week from now. So that's a long time. Is that because you like spec'd it out and things? Yeah, it has to be built, I guess, because I customized it quite a bit. Yeah. So it's taken a little while to get here. I'm getting a little impatient, but I'm also very excited. Um, Yeah, so like random, not super exciting news for everyone, but exciting for me. (laughs) Pretty exciting. (laughs) Tell us what you got. Uh, I got the 12-inch Space Gray MacBook. Nice. And yeah, beefed it up. Like I just added on all of the extras that was available, basically. Oh, that sounds like my dream. <laughs> uh, so yes, I'm very excited for it to get here. Uh, it will be super nice. I like have this dream of just being able to throw it lightly in my backpack and work at a cafe and sit on the couch with it. It's super light and nimble and yeah, right now I'm lugging around my work 15 inch quite a bit. So I think. Oh, this is going to be such a change. Yeah, because my personal 13 inch is like almost dead. Like it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. So I've been having to bring my work computer home every day to kind of use for personal use a little bit, which is always not the greatest thing. So it will be very exciting to finally have that new computer I'm very excited about. And you're not going to pick it up from the screen this time, are you, Fem? No, I'm not. I learned my <laughs> lesson. I'm going to treat it with care and be very, very delicate with it. So, Good. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so that's a boring announcement. Uh, in terms of 
what I've been up to and things. You know, I was thinking recently about my mailing list and I actually got an email from a friend who is also a community member, Karen, uh, and he was asking me how my newsletters are going because I recently switched a few months ago to MailerLite and have kind of changed my newsletter routine. I used to be quite strict in sending out a newsletter every week and inside it had like a long form article that I had written. And now in the last month or so, I've switched to a more infrequent rate. Like I just sort of send one when I have new content to share. And so it's more of like a short couple paragraph blurb and then with a link to, you know, then you can go and read or listen or whatever the, the full content and I've only been sending an email when I have something to say so like you know if I don't have any new content out then I'm not sending an email um, so he was asking me how this was going and I I was kind of reflecting a little bit and realized that I've kind of changed my strategy for using my newsletter without kind of doing it intentionally um, so Yeah, I actually, since I've been doing it this way, have not really been checking or caring as much about my stats or like my my list, how many people I have on there and and what the activity is. I'm I'm more just kind of using it as a channel to, you know, when I have something to say, there's people that I can send it to and and share it with that are interested in that content. So Mm. I don't know, I think it's too early to kind of say how that's going to affect the growth of my list over time. But Anyway, it was just something that I've been reflecting on recently as I've kind of unintentionally changed my strategy for how I send emails. Yeah, that's interesting. And I don't know, how do you feel about the fact that you're not checking the stats and things anymore? I don't know. It's actually kind of freeing Yeah. because I don't get worried about it as much anymore. Um, before I was really, oh, not really hung up, but, you know, I was checking it and, you know, seeing how many people had joined my list that week and how many people had unsubscribed and what people were clicking in my emails. And now I just, I don't know, I'm just like, well, I've got something interesting to share. I'm going to share it with these people who have signed up saying that they're interested and that's, that's it. Like I'm fulfilling the promise. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of nice for now, but I'm sure that it will change at some point. <laughs> I think it's good to be a bit looser with it, you know, and just do whatever's feeling right for you in the moment. Yeah. How are you? Because you've been in Japan, which, by the way, I'm so jealous. Your Instagram stories were so cool. Um, How was it? Did you completely disconnect from work or because often like when you go away, you kind of do a working trip, right? Where you sort of work and vacation at the same time. But this was, I think, a total unplug for you, right? It was. So I think I might have mentioned this before, but at ConvertKit, we have a policy called paid, paid vacation, where once a year you choose a five day block of time and you go on vacation and you are not allowed to check into work at all. And if you do that, then you get a thousand dollars towards your holiday. So this was my paid, paid vacation time, this Japan trip, which meant that I wasn't having to check into work at all or even, you know, wasn't allowed to even log into Slack and check, which was (laughs) because it made me... Like, I didn't feel guilty about not working, if that makes sense. And it was really nice to have that break and be exploring a new place. And because my phone, like mobile data didn't work there either, I found I had a big break from just like being on the internet in general. Like I'd only be online, um, you know, in the mornings and evenings when we're back at the Airbnb mm-hmm, sort of thing mm-hmm. and not constantly throughout the day, which I am usually. So I would really like that to actually be a thing that I continue on into my regular life, like not being on the internet so much but I mean I've been back two days and 
I don't know how many tweets I've done in that time, but it's many. So <laughs> I don't think that's working. <laughs> but yeah, Japan was amazing. It was uh, super interesting to be back in Asia because I don't know if anyone knows this actually, but I used to live in Asia. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Brunei. So the last time I was in Asia was when I was, I think, just before I turned 11. So it had been a while. Um, I've been to airports and things, but just for like stopovers, you know, so it's not really Sure, counted. sure. So cool to be back. Um, yeah in an Asian country and all, all the delicious food and being around a completely new language and like new characters was pretty challenging at times. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, definitely a good trip. Definitely a lot of fun. And now that you're back, how have you adjusted to like coming back to your workload? Has that been kind of stressful? Do you feel like you're behind or do you, have you come back with like feeling refreshed? How are you feeling now? Um, I wouldn't say it was a relaxing holiday because we did so much like walking around exploring, you know, how it goes yeah uh, and also next week we have two major things launching at work. <laughs> just in time so i've come back to a week of like all hands on deck like i think i did a 12 hour work day yesterday you know there's just there's a lot to do and it's mm-hmm. a very busy week but yeah uh not I, I mean i'm guessing feeling stressed and overwhelmed by it but not to a critical level if that makes sense yeah it's like a healthy amount of stress maybe yeah healthy amount of stress is always good I think it like is is that little extra motivation that kind of gets you going yeah and also I just love like this approaching a deadline vibe that always happens when everyone comes together and like everyone is working hard Uh, everyone's like you know yeah pushing towards it and helping each other it's just it's a pretty cool feeling and I know we're gonna yeah knock it out of the park as they say so yes lots to do but it should be good yeah nice we're all in this together Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh no, now I've got that high school music. I know, I had it head. I had it stuck in my head too, so I had to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get into today's topic? Yes. Yeah, this is something I've been thinking of because uh Helen Tran, who is an amazing uh product designer, you should definitely follow her on Twitter. She used to work at, at Shopify and now she's like doing her own thing, building her own business. She's pretty cool. Well, Tran Helen is her Twitter username. Anyway, she tweeted, sometimes I get sad because there's no way I'll ever be able to learn all the things I want to. Mm-hmm. I think this is the nerdiest feeling I feel and I don't even know what it's called. And I thought that was amazing and also can completely relate to it because I don't know about you, Fem, but I just have moments sometimes where I'm like, okay, I'm living this life as a designer slash developer and I'm like loving what I'm doing in tech, loving what I'm doing with teaching and educating on the YouTube side of things and through this podcast, but also like when I, I really want to be a musician, like I want to play drums in a band. I really want to get really good at lettering and, you know, be a kick-ass lettering artist. I really want to like learn to skateboard really well and like enter competitions. I really want to have a clothing company. I really want to work on music videos. And there's all this other things that I want to do. So yeah, that's what I tweeted about. And I said, I'm happy with the path I chose, but I still pine for the rest. So fam, is this something that you feel too? Yes, but I don't feel the anxiety, I guess, that it sounds like you perhaps feel (laughs) when you think about this. I don't know if I'd say anxiety, more just like wondering what if. Right. Like like I said, I'm really happy in the path I'm in, but I just, I don't know, I just have this strong desire to do these other things too. Yeah. And I know I can't, and that just kills me a little bit sometimes. So is your strong desire that you want to do them all right now? Is that what kind of is worrying for you? Is that kind of the feeling of like, man, I wish I could do all of them right now? Because for me, when I think about this, I think about it more in like, well, 
yeah, I have so much time. Right. You know, I feel like, uh, of course, I want to do all these things. They're all, you know, super exciting or I'm curious about learning this thing or or what if I had chosen this path or something. And I kind of remind myself that maybe I can still do that. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe this isn't the best recommended way to live your life, thinking that you kind of have forever and you have so much time. <laughs> I know that a lot of people like to live by, you know, the now and, and you know, maybe there is no tomorrow and I should just do it now because you never kind of know how much time is left. Um, but I also like to think of, well, you know, I, I hope that there is a lot of time left for me. And so, yes, I am curious about what it, what would it have been like if I'd chosen music as a career? You know, I played violin for, for 15, 18 years. So that's always been a thing for me of like, what if I decided to just be a full-time violinist? And I like to think that, you know, maybe there is still time for that. And maybe I am, or maybe that's something that I can do later in life. Like I don't feel as though because I've chosen design as my passion or my focus now that I'm locked into that forever. Gotcha. I think for me it's more about like I'm not pining for all these things to be my hobby. Like I could easily go and make them my hobby. Right. But it's more about wondering what life would be like if I had made them my main thing, you know? Yeah. Because I do firmly believe in the jack of all trades, master of none thing. I think that you do at what some point have to pick a focus and get really good at something if you want to like grow in your career. I don't think it's possible to like grow all skills equally and like be successful that way. Mm. I think you can have multiple skills, but I think there should be one main one you focus on. So I've chosen my one main one I focus on. I'm like, you know, seven or eight years deep in my career now. I don't think now is the time that I can go and, you know, become a a drummer in a famous punk <laughs> band, you know, I'm, I'm not holding one any day, illusions day. that that's the thing that's going to happen. But yeah, I just, I just sometimes wonder, like, is there another version of myself living that life and like, you know, doing that thing? So for me, it's more about the focusing on it as a career than having it as a hobby, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because I guess that's one solution to this is to make those things a hobby. Yes. Right. Like one solution is to choose a main focus, for example, let's say design and then have uh, playing instruments or whatever it is, photography as a sort of side hobby or, or a side skill. And a lot of people do that and I think are fulfilled with that. But it sounds like what you're saying uh, and what we kind of want to get deeper on, into, I guess, in this episode is what if that's not enough, right? What, what if having it as a hobby isn't fulfilling enough for you and you want to take it that step further? How do you how do you kind of accommodate or juggle or embrace that, I guess, into what your current passion is? Yeah, and I think it's probably too about being okay with your choices. Like there is no part of me that thinks I have made the wrong choice in my career, right? Uh-huh. Like, I love what I do so much and I think it's the absolute right thing for me to be doing. And so that's why I think I don't sit there like plotting ways to, you know, uh, like run a big clothing company and take over the world with that because I'm really happy with what I am doing. And so I think if anyone is feeling this, the first thing to do is take stock of why you're doing what you're doing and why you're not doing what you're not doing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I have tried all of these things that I just mentioned in my life and guess what? They're really hard. (laughs) And obviously I wasn't passionate enough about them at that time to push them and like get over that hurdle and like take them to where they needed to go. So that's why I'm content with what I'm doing because I know that I did try and I decided it wasn't worth the effort and that I preferred 
going down this path of putting the effort into design instead, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So perhaps a solution to this is to find an intersection of where Mm. these passions overlap. So for example, what Casey said was, you know, she's trying to be a photographer, also some kind of designer, aspiring developer, traveler, blogger, polyglot all at once, etc. Maybe there's a way that those things can intersect. Maybe you can travel and document your journey via photography on a blog that you've designed and you've developed. Love it. To me, that's kind of, uh, you know, seems like a good way to intersect all of these passions. Now, of course, that's a lot to take on. And you could argue that uh, maybe, you know, the fact that she designed the website, maybe that's not fulfilling enough for her. You know, maybe she needs more of that. And it's not just about uh, creating a blog. You know, maybe she wants to pursue design in more of an active way. Then, okay, turn it into more about design then. Um, So that's kind of one thing I want to say is that perhaps a solution is finding this intersection between your hobbies, uh, sorry, your passions, I should say. And I know that um, you actually tried this, I think, Charlie, or I don't know if you're still doing it, but I remember when you were doing your alternate artwork Mm. and you were trying to get more into like uh, band and, and merch kind of design. And to me, that's a great example of intersecting your kind of passion for music and your interest in that area. And then also, of course, your passion and skill set in design. So I think that's kind of one solution that I see you could take to kind of, uh, you know, be fulfilled and embrace these multiple passions. Another alternative, and I think it kind of depends on who you are, uh, is to purposefully separate them. And I feel like that's kind of what I do. So I have this passion in design. I also have quite a passion for the outdoors and like hiking. I really love that. I love being outside and doing outdoor activities. And for me personally, I like that they're separated. I don't want to intersect them at all because I don't want one one passion to uh, hinder or, or affect or rely too much on the other one. I kind of like that I have this passion of design that I, you know, am fully immersed in, in my career and I get a lot of fulfillment through that and I, you know, do it day to day. But then I also can turn to this alternative passion of, of hiking and that's a nice way for me to completely disconnect from that other passion and and maybe use that hiking time to reflect on my other passion. And I like that it's disconnected and I don't want to intersect them because I don't want them to, you know, rely or, or harm each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think that's really smart. And the third option that I want to add to like how you can deal with this is to just be okay with the fact that you're having ideas and like dreams about things that you're not going to act on. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay. We don't have to act on every single idea or like that would be cool, you know, thought that we have. Sometimes it's okay to just leave them as simply that, just a dream or, a, you know, a little little daydream or a wonder and not actually act on it and try and make it come to fruition. It's totally okay to, yeah, not go for every single thing that you think about. Yeah, no, I agree. It is perfectly okay to park ideas and... Just because you don't act on it now doesn't mean you never can or you never will. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. I don't have any examples in my head right now, but I know there's a lot of examples of people who have found their passion later in life or become really successful later in life. You know, I'm talking like past 50, you know, so it's never, it's never too late. You've always, hopefully, I mean, you've hopefully got, got time to act on it later. And 
I also agree that sometimes it's okay for things to just be a dream. Um, I was talking to my mum actually yesterday and she has always had this dream of like buying a camper van in Canada and just, you know, six months of the year during the summertime going to Canada and just driving her little camper van through Canada and, you know, enjoying the wilderness and the animals. And she's, I think, mid-50s now. And and she said to me on the phone yesterday, she's like, you know, Femke, I wonder if this will just stay a dream, you know, if it will never, never happen. And, And I said to her, I was like, well, maybe that's okay you know maybe sometimes we just need to have these dreams that will stay as dreams um so yeah I don't know maybe it won't happen but maybe that's not the worst thing in life yeah I totally agree I think sometimes the reality of bringing a dream to life isn't as like magical (laughs) yeah isn't as magical as the sitting there and thinking about it and I think that's kind of what happened to me with my working in the music industry thing I, I, I did start to push towards that and started to make content that would attract those types of clients, but I never really pushed that hard on it. And I think it's because I realized that I don't really like client work that much, just to Mm. be honest. (laughs) And I, I know from my friend, our friend Brent Galloway, who is an amazing designer for the music industry. He does merch for a lot of amazing bands. And to start with, I was like, oh my God, you're living my dream job, Brent. But I see how hard he works and I see how short his deadlines are. And obviously he kills it. He thrives off it. He's always able to come up with creative ideas and like he does amazingly, but I don't know if that would suit me, you know, I, I just don't know if that's something they could do. So I was confronted with this reality of my dream not being exactly what I was imagining. So that's why I've kind of stopped focusing on that for now. And I think that's okay. Would you feel like you have let go of that dream or you're kind of holding on to it as like a maybe someday? I think I still have the dream because I like the idea of it, but I'm not willing to put in the work to make it a reality, (laughs) if that makes sense. If I, for example, became friends with people, someone in a band and they needed an album cover and wanted me to do it, great. That would be my like little way to get a piece of that Mm -hmm. music industry design, right? So I'm not going to say that I'm dropping the dream completely and not interested in it at all. It's just that I'm not interested in actively working towards it. So it's just a little dream that I have you know, wondering what if I'd, you know, focused on that in in another life or whatever. Um, I think that we need to keep stock of how we're feeling this pull towards our dreams as well. Like perhaps your mum hasn't done the camper van thing because she hasn't ever felt that time where she's like, I need to do this like right now. Mm. Because that's what I felt about moving to London, right? I'd always dreamed about living overseas. And there was just one day where I was like, no, no, I need to make this happen. And that's when I knew that I had to work towards it. So perhaps with our other dreams, if we're not feeling that like, you know, strong pull, that's why they don't happen. And I feel like I'm kind of feeling that a little bit with skateboarding at the moment. I'm like, I just really, I just think this is really fucking cool. Oops, I swore, sorry, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) And I just want to like, this is something I want to be able to do. Like I'm not having any dreams of being a pro skateboarder or anything like that, but I just want to be, I want to be able to like do a freaking ollie or something like that. And so... That's something that I am practicing. It's just a little like hobby that I have now, which is kind of fun because it was like this desire I had in life and I felt like it was missing. And so now I've added little pieces of it in, you know? Uh, Yeah, I think you make a great point there about having this like intrinsic drive, you know, like, of course, uh, I think it'd be awesome to be an astronaut or something, right? Like what a dream, imagine. But I have no intrinsic drive, right, to actually fulfill that. And when you are, you know, 
pulling the late nights, pulling the long hours, trying to make this work, you have to have that drive to keep yourself going, right? Because otherwise you're going to have these excuses and, and try and convince yourself. You know, you're trying to convince yourself to keep going, but but really that intrinsic drive is not there. And so like with you moving to London, you know, you just had this moment of like, I need to do this. And I think it's the same when choosing a passion or choosing a focus is like, what's what's really there? What's pulling you? And, and you know, what's that little voice in your head that's telling you, I need to do this? I think that's that's what I'd focus on. Uh, and that's, I think, what I lacked a little bit when last year I was learning to code is I felt like I was doing it or, or trying to force myself to do it because something, someone, I don't know, a voice inside my head told me that I needed to because that's what the industry expected of me. Was it the internet and all the should designers learn to code posts? It was probably <laughs> that getting to my head. Um, but I didn't have this like intrinsic drive and this pull, you know, it it wasn't a passion, I realized. And I still, of course, enjoy doing it and have the curiosity to, to continue and learn more one day. But for now, I, I'm lacking that drive and that pull. So, you know, I think that's that's okay. And that's something to also be aware of. Yeah, totally. Uh, there's always this feeling that you should be doing some things, but it's hard to like force yourself to do it mm-hmm. until you actually feel that drive. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have moments, Femme, where you just like have an idea for something and you literally can't focus on anything else until you've like given it a try, you know? Um, uh, Todd in our community said something like this that really reminded me of these moments for me. He said, I really like learning new things, which often turns into an interest or obsession. And before I know it, I'm way down the rabbit hole. I find that happens to me sometimes where I've got a new idea for a project and I'm like, oh, I like need to work on this literally right now. And I like stop and I like plan things and write things and like get it out of my system almost. Do you have moments like that? Yeah, I think I do. And those moments for me are usually, they usually happen when I don't fully think it through, you know, and I, I kind of get down the rabbit hole and realize like, wait, what was the purpose of this again? Or how does this fit into my overall you know life or goal like what was this about and that can be also yeah hard when you go down this rabbit hole with a really exciting idea hoping that it's gonna you know have a positive outcome at the end but then you come out of it being like what was the point of this again or like how was I envisioning this was gonna turn into something Uh, so yeah I've definitely had that before and it can be hard to kind of remove yourself from that or know when to stop right like sometimes you go so deep before you realize um you know, you, sh- you should have maybe pulled out a bit earlier. Yeah, I think we should embrace this rabbit hole sometimes, you know, like it's fun to feel that excitement and that passion for something so that, you know, so much that you can't focus on anything else and you just have to like, you know, do all this research and like start all this planning and go down that rabbit hole for a little while until you like, you know, feel like you can climb out again, you know. I think we should embrace that sometimes because it's fun to just feel that passion, I suppose, and act on it. Yeah. Something that uh, another of our community members posted about uh, in response to Casey's original, you know, question that started all this off, it, they linked to an article that I want to want to talk about. It's from Al. He says, "I've realized that I can't do all things. However, with the quality of my output suffering, the thing that I'm using as a strategy to deal with this is basically this." And he links to a James Clear article about uh, the Warren Buffett focus, is what it's called, and. I clicked on this article and like skimmed it through and it was quite interesting. I have not heard of this. Can you can you share? Yeah. In it he talks about the fact that Warren Buffett was talking to someone about their career and like, you know, they were feeling more multi-passionate and what they wanted to get out of it. 
And he got them to write down a list of all of their career goals. So they had like 25 goals, right, of things they wanted to achieve Mm -hmm. in life, in their career. Then he told him to circle the top five. And those five, like, most important goals that this guy has decided is, like, the main ones he wants to focus on gets put on the A list. Then everything else gets put on the B list. And so then Warren Buffett was like, what do you think you do with these lists? He was like, okay, well, obviously I make these ones my top focus on the A list. And on the B list, I, like work on them whenever I like whenever I can and like whenever they fit in they're like the second priority right and he was like no that's wrong the b list is the things that you absolutely should avoid at all costs until you have completed the goals on your a list oh like these are your focus these is what you've decided on plot twist right and so you should ignore all these others and until you've achieved these because you've decided that these are the most important Okay. And I thought that was really interesting because it means you end up with a list of like goals you're not allowed to work on. And I guess that I've put being a musician and a skateboarder and a hand lettering artist on that, you know, Mm. B goals list of things that I'm not allowed to try and make my career Mm -hmm. because they don't fit. And I've decided they're not the most important thing to me. And so I'm allowed to just have them as a dream and not work on them because... I'm not allowed to work on them, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is so interesting. I've never thought about it in this way before. Like, my answer would have totally been the same. I would prioritize the top five and just work on the others when I can and kind of have them in the back of my mind. Yeah. What what do you think is the benefit of this, of ignoring list B? Well, Al followed on after linking to this article. He said that the other things, the other goals, you know, are still on my list and acknowledged, but by focusing down on a few key things, I'm finding that I can cope much easier and that my output is more focused and better quality. Yeah. So it's like, they're on a list. I know they're there. I know that's the goal I have, but I also know I'm not working on them and that I'm working on these. Wow. That's super interesting. It's like prioritizing your goals almost, right? I feel like most of the goal setting I do, I come up with goals, but I don't really prioritize them. So this sounds like a super interesting way of saying, okay, yes, I have all of these goals. Let's be honest. There's no way I can do all of these at once. So let's choose five to prioritize and then save the rest for another day once the other five are complete. Fem, how would you feel about us sitting down and like writing down a list of our career goals and picking a few main ones and making that a future episode? Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Then we can like reflect on the decisions that we've made. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wonderful. Right, one more thing I want to read out from a community member is from Nuka, and Nuka says, I absolutely recognize this and struggle with this whenever I get to a point when I feel like I have to choose, and she puts choose in quotation marks. She said it was actually the reason that her last job let her go, which kind of sucked. Apparently they said, well, you do so many different things, we're not really sure where to put you, even though they had cultivated that in her in the past two years. So, yeah, that's lame. Wow. Anyway. Read a piece on Medium about the modern polymath, which basically says to combine your different skills into a unique skill set. And so this is a Medium article that we'll link in the show notes. It'll be at designlife.fm slash episode 118. And it talks about this idea of being a polymath, where instead of focusing deep on one skill and one skill only, you have like one main skill and then the other things come into it. And maybe it's like two main skills almost. Um, And some of the benefits for this uh, talks about combining two or more skills can make you world class. And examples are like Elon Musk, how he has this focus on like physics and engineering, but then also on business. And so he's combined those two to make like, let's be honest, super successful company, which probably wouldn't have been that successful if he was only like had a vague idea of business, but was really good at engineering, you know, like combining those two skills is what makes him special. And another benefit 
they talk about in this article is that most creative breakthroughs come via making atypical combinations of skills. Yeah. So like combining things like not just like design and development because they go together pretty well, but like, you know, bringing in other skills that maybe you wouldn't immediately think are related, but can make something really special in the end. Yeah, I think that is like one of the key takeaways for this and kind of what I was trying to allude to before about finding this intersection, right? Mm -hmm. And often when we reach this intersection, especially if the two passions are not typically complementary, you know, it's not design and development, for example. Um, yeah, that's where I think a lot of innovation can happen, right? Because you're suddenly combining these two things that maybe hadn't really been combined before. And so you're creating something new. And to me, that's a super exciting space and not something that I've tried to do yet. Like I, most of the passions I've tried to combine have been complementary. Uh, but I think it would be super interesting if you do have these two passions that definitely, you know, don't necessarily traditionally go together and you're wanting to explore and experiment uh, what they could look like together. I think that would be super interesting. Yeah, I love that. And it really made me, this article, think about how I think of the jack of all trades, master of none. Because mm. like I said, I do believe that you have to pick a focus. But this article made me think that maybe you can pick your own niche to focus on, you know, and perhaps your niche is a combination of two things mm -hmm. that together form something really special that you're going to dig deep on and be like the expert, the best person in the world because no one else is doing it because these two things are so different, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I just really like that idea. I think it's kind of freeing to think that you can fit your all of your passions in, in together somehow, but you just have to choose which ones to prioritize. Yes. And that's the hard part, right? Is how do you yes, choose? For sure. <laughs> how do you choose, Fem? This seems like a good question to end on. How do how do you choose which passion to focus on? I can go first if you want. Well, what I was going to say, now that we have talked a little bit about goals, is that I think that's a good place to start, right. is to kind of assess what your goals are or where where you're working towards and choose based on that. Yeah. that That's kind of the first instinctive answer that came to me. But I don't know, maybe you have a different idea for how to make that decision. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. And also for me, it's about thinking on what kind of life focusing on that passion will lead to. You know, how do you want to be spending your time day to day? Like, yes, I love the idea of, I love music and I love the idea of being a drummer in a, in a pop punk band, but also I don't do well with late nights. And right. Doesn't fit with your lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think I'd do well with touring and like coming up with song ideas, being on stage every night. That doesn't sound like something that would suit me at all. Right. And so... Yeah, thinking about what kind of life, and obviously that's a super dramatic example, but it could even be little switches, like moving from web to print, you know? How do you want to be spending your time? Do you want to be pushing pixels or do you love, absolutely love going to like the print shops and, um, mm. you know, seeing your designs being printed and, and looking through Pantone books? Is that a part of your job you love that you won't get if you move to a digital focus, you know? Yeah. Just thinking about how you want to be spending your time and what that passion would lead to. And also just that intrinsic pull that we talked about as well. Mm -hmm. I feel like you just know, right? Like if you can't stop thinking about it, you need to act on it. And sometimes that means going down a rabbit hole for a little while and then realizing, nope, okay, I'm done. I, I've finished with this little exploration now. And sometimes it might stick and be something that you want to do forever, you know? Mm -hmm. Listening to your gut, basically, is my answer. So good. This is fun. I liked talking about this. Challenging, but yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you, Casey, for bringing that up. 
think that was really awesome. If anyone else listening has any topics that they're thinking about mulling over and they'd like to hear our thoughts on, or even if you wouldn't like to hear our thoughts on it, but you just feel like sharing and then we might talk about it anyway, <laughs> let us know. You can tweet us at designlife.fm. Uh, you could also join the community and share it in there. You can join that at designlife.fm slash community. It's a monthly membership and there's a lot of really great people in there having awesome conversations like this pretty much every day. Yeah, so good. If you want to listen to other episodes, you can go to designlife.fm and you'll find episodes there. You'll also find episodes in your favorite podcast app. So check us out in there. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider giving us a rating. It means a lot to us. Yes, and it helps get the show out there and all that awesome all right fam this was a good chat nice to talk to you okay nice to have you back yeah (laughs) see you next time bye bye